Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. To the 107th Psalm. Psalm 107 and verse 2. Verse 2. And the psalmist says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We're going to read it again, and then we'll pray. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for this moment. I need your help completely. Help me to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me to yield to that gift. Help me to yield to your help to minister your word today in a way that's easy to understand. Father, do in our ears and in our minds and in our hearts that work which would open us to hear and to see and to realize, Father, and cause faith to rise up that this would profit us, that we would do something with it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture says to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you are redeemed, you should say, (laughs) of course, (laughs) you should say so. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to understand that this was written long before Jesus. And so much, uh, so much in terms of prophecy and in terms of the Psalms, they had layered layered meanings it would be about some actual things that had taken place with the, you know, the children of Israel, with the person in the, in the record that we're reading, but would also be prophetic about what Jesus would do. And he says here, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. This was not a, this was not a psalm only for those of us that would be saved spiritually from sin later. Uh, it certainly is true for us that we should say so. But this is that anybody that the Lord has redeemed, that anybody that the Lord has rescued, listen, if somebody does something good for you, shouldn't you say so? If somebody rescues you, if somebody blesses you, if somebody does a good thing, first of all, it's right to say thank you, and it's right to give credit where credit is due. It is only right that the redeemed should say so. And I want to tell you that when you do say so, it also does something for you. Something amazing happens when you testify of what God has done in your life. As a matter of fact, when you, when you testify about what God has done, you tap into more of what God's doing. The revelators said that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There are a lot of people today that have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, but they're not testifying about any of it. Their heart is in one place, but their mind and their mouth is in another, and they are not living in the victory that the blood has afforded because they're not saying so. We should be saying so. So let the redeemed of the Lord 
say so. We should be testifying about our salvation. We should be testifying about our deliverance. We should be testifying about our victories. And there is a waiting world. There is a world full of lost people. There is a world full of people living in chaos and destruction, and they haven't heard your testimony. They don't know what God can do for them because you haven't told them. When you turn on television, the greatest advertising, the greatest marketing is that which has testimonials. It's when somebody comes on and says, I've used the product and the product works. There are so many people walking around us. We assume living in this country that everybody has heard the gospel, that everybody knows about Jesus. Can I tell you, there are a lot of people around you, even in this little bitty town, that still have not heard the gospel. I'm amazed when I begin talking to people about things of a spiritual nature, talking to people about the Bible, talking to people about Jesus, and they say, really? I never knew that. I never knew that. The simplest of things. You'll get in a conversation, and they've never heard the simplest of things. You have an obligation and a responsibility to open your mouth and talk about Jesus and what he has done. Your testimony will spark faith inside of someone else. Your testimony will bring conviction to the heart of someone else. Your testimony will cause faith and belief to rise up and somebody will be saved because you testified. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The psalmist also said, Psalm 51, 12 and 13. He prayed this. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted to thee. Can I tell you that throughout the scripture, and we could go a lot of places to show it, we'll just go a few, but can I tell you that throughout the scripture, joy has always been connected to sharing God's salvation with those that don't know him. Anybody ever wish you could feel like you felt when you got saved? I'll tell you how. Lead somebody to Jesus. When you lead somebody to Jesus, when you lead somebody into salvation, all that good salvation feeling is there. If you want to remember the feeling of salvation, go around and share the gospel. Get involved with what God is involved in. Get involved in what is the heart of God, in the purpose of God, in the ministry of God. If you want to feel the Holy Spirit, do the thing that the Holy Spirit is interested in doing. Start talking about Jesus. Start talking about the love of God. Start talking about the blood and the cross. Start pointing people to him, and you will be operating in what the Holy Spirit is all about. He said, restore that joy, and I'll convert sinners. I, uh, I, I, would, I would never go against the psalmist, but I'd like to tell the psalmist, start converting the sinners, and you'll feel the joy. Come on. But that was his prayer. There's always been a connection between the joy of the Lord and bringing and sharing God's salvation with those that don't know him. I've known a lot of people in my life, and, and, and you've known a lot of people in your life, 
And it's interesting to me, I touch several different worlds because of, uh, first of all, I've been in this town longer than I've been in this town. My family's been here for a very, very long time. And so people know me that I don't know them. You ever get that? Somebody knows who you are, and they think you should know who they are, but you don't. And so through that and through, uh, through my entertainment business and then through ministry, uh, I, I'm in connection with a lot of different people in a lot of different worlds. I know many, many very rich people that have no joy. I know people that have a lot of money, but they have no joy. They have no peace. I have known famous people that have no joy. They have no peace. I have met powerful people that have no joy and they have no peace. But I don't know a single soul winner that is not full of the joy of the Lord. The people in my life that I have known that win souls, the people that are actively sharing their faith, that are sharing Jesus, the people that are actively loving on people and pursuing people and seeking people out to bring the goodness of God to them, those people are full of joy. Those people are full of life. Those people are full of inspiration and motivation and determination and peace. They have brought their outside into agreement with their inside. If you are born again today, if you are a blood-washed believer today, your inside is holy. Your inside is righteous. Your inside is whole and at peace. But many times our outside is not on board with the inside. But you can bring the outside into agreement. As a matter of fact, it is your responsibility. You are supposed to be reprogramming. Uh, the Apostle Paul said it, transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. You are supposed to be reprogramming your mind, your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions to get on board with the spirit. And when that happens, now the, the, the soul is the in-between from the spirit and the body. When you get the soul on board with the spirit, the body lines up in submission mission and obedience soul winners have demanded their outsides get on board with jesus on the inside the outside cannot bring joy to the inside but the inside is on board with the priority of heaven and can bring heaven's joy to the outside i hope that makes sense the way that i said it 
Luke 15 and 7, Jesus said, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needed not repentance. Listen, when you are in the place that you bring somebody to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. And can I tell you that heaven is not just a planet three miles south of Mars. Heaven is God's kingdom and domain. Heaven is on the inside of you. You're a citizen of heaven. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And when you get about heaven's business, you're going to experience that joy and that celebration, that party, that resurrection party. When people are getting saved, if you want to be joy-filled, go tell everybody. Go tell everybody. People are working themselves to death for work that does not produce any joy. Maybe it's you. People are working themselves to death. For what? They are working themselves to death for money? They're working themselves to death for temporal. It doesn't produce joy now, and it doesn't produce joy later. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't think for a moment that he's speaking against provision. Don't think for a moment. The Bible also says if you don't work, you don't eat. God blesses us through work, but man always gets it out of balance. Man always gets it mixed up where he's almost worshiping work instead of worshiping the God that gave him some work. We have turned God's resource into the source. Instead of trusting God as the source, we're trusting the resource. The job that you have, God gave it to you, but God can provide for you any way at all. But we begin to worship the way that God has blessed instead of remembering that it was God that has blessed. But I wonder how much treasure we're laying up in heaven. I wonder how much time we're investing in souls that are going to last forever and forever and forever. We need to go tell it. Tell your neighbor, go tell everybody. Go tell everybody. I heard someone say something. And I'm sure that you've probably heard this before as well. Concerning evangelism, concerning witnessing to others and sharing our faith. I heard someone say one time that their faith was a private matter. They said, I believe my faith is a private matter. Well, you better pick a different faith besides this one in Jesus. Because if your faith is in Jesus and you believe in him and you know that people are on their way to eternal destruction 
for not believing and you still think that is a private matter, you're the meanest snake around. If you believe what you say you believe, if you believe that without Jesus, people are going to be eternally lost, and you have the answer on how they can be rescued, and you say, it's not my business to share, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that they're going to an eternal hell and not give them the answer? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that and not give them what you know is the answer. This Christian faith is not a private matter. Jesus said in Matthew 10, what I tell you in the dark, say it in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. In Luke 14, he said, the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and into the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You remember that parable, that illustration he gave about the ruler that threw a wedding feast and he compared it to his kingdom and that we are supposed to go out and find the people and tell them the goodness of God. Tell them that there is a family that will love them and support them. Tell them they're not by themselves. Tell them that Jesus loves them so much that he left heaven and he came to earth and he died on a cold, rugged cross. But three days later, he got up again and and now he wants to live inside of them. Tell them the good news. Go tell everybody. Go and tell everybody. This is not a private faith. This is an everybody faith. This is a scream it out loud faith. What if you had, what if you were on a cruise ship? And what if you fell off? Hope you're not getting ready to go on a cruise. What if you fell overboard into shark-infested waters? And what if it was at night and you couldn't see? And what if the captain himself came down from his quarters and jumped in the water to save you? What if the captain of the ship rescued you from your demise. And later you're with some friends in a restaurant and they say, tell us what happened. And you say, uh, that's a private matter. I don't talk about it. It's a private matter how he jumped over the side and rescued me. Can I tell you that you were drowning in dark, demon-infested waters, but the captain of the ship came down from his quarters, and he jumped in, and he saved you from death, and you should tell everybody. Tell everybody. It's not a private matter. Jesus said in John 12, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Peter tells us that it's not God's will that any should perish. God's heart is to win every single person. Every human being God has created 
God wants to have them home. God wants them in the family. He said, I'll draw them all. Go tell everybody. Do you know, it's not, it's not my job as a pastor. It's my job as a Christian. As a pastor, my job is to feed the body and shepherd the body and to teach the body. But as a believer, as a, so, many, so many situations I'm in, people say, oh, yeah, I guess you would. You're a preacher. And I say, me doing this, has I did this before I was a preacher. I did this because I'm a human. I did this because I'm saved. I do this because I love Jesus. I do this because people need to know him. Come on. My job as a pastor is to feed you, but the job to win the whole world of Jesus is all of us that claim that he saved us. Go tell everybody. Go tell everybody about Jesus. It's not a private matter. Nothing Jesus did was in private, ever. God has always done everything on display. When God shows up, he shows out. Everything God's ever done, he did it big. He did it in public. He did it on display. And he wanted everybody to be part of it. Jesus' crucifixion was not a private matter. Jesus' death was a public issue. When you read the Gospels, every person that Jesus called unto himself, he called them publicly. Every time. His resurrection was definitely a public issue. You see, this is all about heaven flooding earth. And we're not flooding anything if we're keeping it all to ourselves, We are supposed to be the spout where the glory comes out. We are kingdom dispensaries, we said a few weeks ago. He said, whosoever believes on me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. You have a reservoir of living water on the inside. It re really, it's not even a reservoir because there's a constant fresh flow you are full of the kingdom of God. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You've got the words of life on the inside of you. You've got Jesus. Will you let him out? You're supposed to open the gate of your innermost being and let him pour forth from your spirit through your words and through your eyes and through your listening and through your touch and through your hug. You're supposed to dispense the kingdom of God you're supposed to herald the good news. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? I got saved when I was six years old. Uh, I started telling everybody. You know, I never intended to preach. I never intended to pastor. And I got to be real honest, God didn't tell me to. People say, oh, I had this moment when I received the call. That's great. That's great. I just got saved and started telling everyone. 
I, I don't know. I'm not even really exactly sure how I got to this moment or why anyone's here listening to me. I, just, I got saved, and I haven't shut up, and people keep coming to listen. I don't know. There was never, there was never like this moment or this thing where uh, I, I, I became a pastor accidentally. This was a, it wasn't a mistake, but it was an accident. It was like organic. I never knew where it was going. I just kind of day to day, we do this, we do this, and we do this. It has only ever made sense to me that what Jesus did for me, that everybody needs to know it and that everybody needs it. It only makes sense that if God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believed on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So if we believe on him, we won't perish. If we don't believe on him, we will perish. It only makes sense in my brain to tell everyone. Go tell everybody. So I got saved and I started telling everybody. I've told a lot of people that have received the gospel. And I've told far more that have not. I've told many people that have received the gospel. For every hundred that I have seen come to the Lord, which would be in the tens of thousands now through various events, but for every hundred, there's got to be a thousand that rejected it. But guess what? That's none of my business. That is none of my business. My only business is telling them. My only business is sharing it. It's up to them what they do with it. But I must be about my father's business. Come on, somebody. I don't want to tell them. They don't want it anyway. None of your business. Well, they're not interested. None of your business. None of that is any of your business. What other people do with Jesus is none of your business, nor is it your responsibility. It is not your responsibility what people do with him. It is only your responsibility that you live what you know and that you tell it. Come on, somebody, and help me preach today. It is only your business that you live what you know and that you tell it. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, the apostle Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Some will plant the seed. Some will water the seed. Some will see the harvest. I always feel kind of bad. Not too bad, though. I'm, I'm an evangelist. And so I go into churches where precious Sunday school teachers have been sowing the seed and breaking up the ground, where pastors have been watering and praying and been there and labored, and they've been with these folks sometimes for days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years, depending on the situation. 
And then they pray. They pray for that harvest. And then they pray for Lord to speak to them about an evangelist for a revival meeting or whatever. And then I go in. I don't know anybody. I present the gospel. I see them all get saved. And then I leave. <laughs> So who won them to the Lord? I didn't have any bigger part than any of those precious people. I did this part. I operated in the evangelist gift. But guess what? That's not mine. That's a gift. And it wouldn't have worked if it was me. It only works because it's him. So he used this gift and this gift and this gift and this gift and this gift. And then I showed up and got to see the harvest of what these pastors and teachers and workers have, have been laboring for. There's a lot of people that sit in the seats and never move. Does that make my work in vain? Does that make their work in vain? Does that mean we were disobedient? Does that mean we... No, 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 no. No matter what they do with it, we did what we were supposed to do because we don't save anyone. It's not my responsibility to get anyone saved. It's not my responsibility to get anyone saved. It's my responsibility to tell them. It's my responsibility to pray. It's my responsibility to love. But what they do is between them and the Holy Spirit. When you realize that, you can start enjoying your life as a Christian. When you realize that, you can start enjoying the ministry. I did not enjoy the ministry until the Lord told me that it wasn't my responsibility, whether people received or not. When I realized that, I'm just doing the same thing all the time either way, no matter what they do. So go tell everybody. Who have you told lately? When is the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Who have you loved enough to push through the uncomfortable and talk about it? Who will you tell tomorrow? Who have you told at school? Who have you told at work? Who have you told at home? Who have you told at the grocery store? Who have you told in your neighborhood? Now, it's not your job to talk to every person every time. I've also known some really annoying Christian witnesses who were not sensitive to the Spirit. And they thought that every person they encountered were all supposed to get the same talk. How many of you know the Holy Spirit knows that people are at different places they're at different places in their life experience. They're in different places in what they've been through. Some people think it's their job to walk up to every person and say, Jesus loves you. They don't know that one person they walk up to, the last person that told them Jesus loves you is the one that abused them in secret. Come on, somebody. I think we just need to be aware of the Holy Spirit. We need to read our Bible. We need to pray. And then when we're out... We pay attention. We pay attention and we observe. And when we notice, we take advantage of that opportunity. And we do it kindly 
And then there's some people that need a harsher word. The Bible said he gives grace to the humble, but the law to the proud. You know, there are some people that don't need the message of grace before they come to Christ. There are some people that need to be broken by the law to realize they need Christ in the first place. Come on, somebody. Truthfully, the law is the message to the lost. Grace is the message to the believer. The law stops the mouth of the wicked. The psalmist said the law of the Lord is perfect in converting the soul. Paul said the law is the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. Once we come to Christ, Paul said in Romans 10, he said that Christ is the end of the law for them which believe for righteousness' sake. But we're not going to tell everybody the same thing every time. But we still have to go tell everybody. Come on. Hallelujah. There are a lot of people that need to hear the gospel in your life. There are a lot of people that you are, I know this sounds so cliche, but you are the only Jesus that they ever cross paths with. There's nobody else around them. You're the only one in their circle or in their network that is carrying the word of life, and they're starving for it. What are you doing with it? Somebody said, preacher, you think we're living in the last days? Every day is somebody's last day. Every, somebody is getting ready to die today. Whether Jesus comes back today or he comes back in a hundred, somebody's on their last breath right now. We have to reach them. We have to reach them. Years ago, I was evangelizing with uh, a man who became a friend to our family evangelist Bernie Cole from Phoenix, Arizona. He used to be part of, uh, if I say this name, then everybody will know, Tommy Barnett's church, uh, Phoenix First. Tommy Barnett, of course, has the huge pastor's conference every year, and he's got the Dream Center. And then Joyce Meyer started a Dream Center. But anyway, Bernie Cole had been at Tommy Barnett's church for years. And when I met Bernie Cole, he was over 80 years old already, and he was a street evangelist. And what Bernie would do when he woke up every morning, he would put on his Jesus Fire Department shirt. It said Jesus, uh, Jesus Fire Department, Captain Bernie, in his tie. And then it had the verse from Revelation on the back about the, the lake of fire. And he would say, hi, I'm Bernie. I'm captain of the Jesus Fire Department. He said, uh, all parties in hell have been canceled due to fire. <laughs> he said, and I can't put out the fire. He said, but I can get your name in a book that you don't have to go there. <laughs> and then he would share salvation. And, uh, and he had been, I forget what branch of the service he was in. He was a tough old military man. Listen. You were going to pray the sinner's prayer. Whether you meant it or not, he was going to have you pray the sinner's prayer with him. And so every morning when he'd get up, he would get dressed and he'd say, hey, let's go get fruit. Let's go get fruit. And so we would go get fruit. We would go out on the street and you would, you would witness to everybody. <laughs> you were going to witness to everybody that you saw. And so, anyway, uh, Bernie told me, he said, uh, he said, I'm thirsty. He said, 
go to this Casey's down, the Casey's that used to be right down here. Now it's a gym. He said, pull in at Casey's down here. I said, okay. And so we went in, and he got ready to pay for his drink, and, of course, he had to get the cashier saved before he would give him any money. And so her name was Tammy. Her name was Tammy. And she was young, in her 20s, I think. And Bernie began to witness to her. And she began to listen to what he was saying. And he said, would you like to receive Jesus now? Yes, I would. And with tears in her eyes, she prayed with Bernie the sinner's prayer and received Jesus as Savior. He said, I'm going to bring you some literature tomorrow or a book or something. I think he had written a little book. And so the next day, he said, DJ, he said, take me to Casey's. He said, so I can take Tammy this book. And he went in, and he came out a moment later, and he was really, really upset, very emotional. And he said, I went in, he said, and I asked them where Tammy was, and they said, I'm so sorry. Tammy died last night with a brain aneurysm. He told that story the rest of his life, about 10 more years. What if Bernie hadn't taken the time to share the gospel with Tammy, who had no way of knowing that she was hours, hours away from slipping off into eternity? But Jesus, Jesus grabbed her. At the last minute in love, it didn't matter how she had lived. It didn't matter what she had done. Jesus loved her, and he grabbed her, and hours later, she was in his presence where she still is for all eternity. My own great-grandfather was 80-something. When he passed a heart condition, he had never in his life pursued the Lord. One of the best men I've ever met in my entire life, and he was a good grandpa to me. But he had he'd never gone around church, never anything with spiritual matter, things, Lord, anything. And so he was, he was in the hospital at St. Anthony's. And uh, he was, I, I guess it was a drug-induced coma. I don't, I don't remember how the whole thing was, but he was very out. And I went up to visit him, and my great-grandma, she said, and I would have been 18 years old, I think, and she said, DJ, she said, would you go back and share the gospel with your grandpa? Yes. And so I went in the room, and uh, the nurse was there doing stuff. And I said, I said, is, is there any chance he can hear me? And she said, it doesn't hurt for you to talk to him. <laughs> Basically, he can't, he, you know, he's very out. He can't hear you. I said, okay. I said, Grandpa, I said, I want to talk to you about something I've never talked to you about before. And I began to explain to him 
the same way that I explained, standing here at the end of every service, and like I've done all over the place forever. And I said, Grandpa, I said, I know that you can't talk right now out loud with your mouth. I said, but if you want this, if you want to be saved, I said, would you repeat this prayer after me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner, but I know that Jesus loves me, and I waited. Lord Jesus, I know that you came and died on the cross for me, that you're the Son of God, and I waited. Jesus, I know you got up again, and I say yes to you. Forgive me my sin and move into my life. And I opened my eyes, and tears were rolling out of my grandpa's eyes as he laid there and received Jesus. And I told grandma, and I left the hospital, and I started to drive down the road, and I got 10 minutes down the road, and she called and said, Grandpa is gone. And I knew that Jesus had grabbed him at the last minute, and he's in heaven for all eternity, and I'll see him there. Go tell everybody. Tell everybody. Every week you sit in a church like I sat in growing up where we ask the question, what's going to happen to you when you die? You sit here every week and you hear that question. Good for you. But what about your neighbor? Have they ever heard it at all? Have they heard the question? They don't know me, but they know you, but they know you. Paul told Timothy, but watch thou in all things. We've got to watch. Endure affliction. Go through the hard stuff. Big deal. Life's hard. It's hard for everybody. I don't know about this church thing. It's hard. Living for Jesus is hard. Getting up and going to church is so hard. Giving my tithe money is hard. Well, guess what? Pick your hard. Because if you leave here, it's hard out there. But I'm going to do hard with Jesus. I'm going to do hard with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do hard surrounded by the family of God. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Every day, you go to your mailbox, and you sort through the junk mail, and you throw it out. 
But aren't you glad when you get good news in the mail? Aren't you glad when it's actually a letter from somebody you know, if anybody still writes letters? Sometimes there's a few. Aren't you glad when it's a check? You sort through all this junk, but you're so glad when you get some good news. Well, that's what we're trying to do for everybody. They've got junk mail coming in at them from every angle. Bad news all over their life. They're trying to sort it all out by them, themselves. But you are supposed to be a Holy Ghost mailman. You are HPS, Heaven's Postal Service. You're a good news carrier. Come on, somebody. You need to reach in your bag and give somebody the gospel. Go tell everybody. There is something very interesting that happens in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's something very interesting that happens when you read the Gospels. You know, Jesus was born, and we see him growing up, and we see different, action, different interactions with the religious people and, you know, him in the temple at 12, understanding the scriptures and on and on and on. But then he gets baptized at the River Jordan by John. And the Holy Spirit descends from heaven and lands on him and he lights up. And the voice of the Father says, Behold, my son, in whom I am well pleased. And the next thing that happens is that he's driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy for 40 days. And then after that, he goes and makes wine from water at the wedding at Cana from, in Galilee. So he has these interactions. But honestly, most of the interactions that he has are with family and family connections based on places they were all the time anyway, okay? where they went to temple and, uh, you know, a family friend's wedding or whatever the case. But something interesting happens in the gospel, in the gospels, because there comes a certain point when all of a sudden, it's not gradual, all of a sudden, people are seeking Jesus out. Boom, all of a sudden, all these people know about this, this healer. And they're seeking him out. It's like there was a, a, a news explosion. And then all of a sudden you see, boom, 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 Jesus performing all these miracles. And you, you, you get the impression sometimes when we read the Bible, we think about these miracles happening over the course of a long time. But then when you read them in context, you'll realize that a whole bunch of these miracles happened in like a day. You know, they went here and they went here and they went here and this guy and this, you know, all of a sudden. It's like there was a news explosion. It's like there was a news flash where almost overnight everybody knew about him and his healing power and began to seek him out. I shared last week about Billy Graham and the Modesto Manifesto. And those of you that know me know how much I love and respect Billy Graham. But there was a time in Reverend Graham's ministry, nobody knew him, obviously. It's always a time before people know you. 
There was a very small handful. He was leading some very successful revivals, but it wasn't like the celebrity they became. The beginning of all that was at a tent revival in Los Angeles, California. And the revival just kept going. Night after night after night, people would pack this revival tent. But it's not like people across the nation knew who he was. But then, somebody took note about this young evangelist, and the the revival just kept going. They thought, hmm, this is an interesting phenomenon. And word of this came across the desk of William Randolph Hearst. Does anybody know that name? If there's any history people here, William Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst was the greatest newspaper mogul of all time. Of all time. A multi, multi billionaire. He owned the media. How many of you know the movie Citizen Kane with Orson Welles? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, Citizen Kane, is there any movie watchers? Does anybody like movies? Citizen Kane is considered, this is a fact, Citizen Kane is considered the greatest movie of all time. So if you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's captivating. Orson Welles wrote this movie about the life of William Randolph Hearst. But he didn't say it was William Randolph Hearst. And William Randolph Hearst did not want his story told. And so Hearst did everything in his power to stop Orson Welles. And for many years, he did. But anyway, the rest is history. The movie came out. William Randolph Hearst. It came across his desk about this Graham, this kid, this Billy Graham. And something about it struck him. And he thought, this would be a great story. You see, he knew his audience He knew the climate of the country. He knew the age of his readers, and he wanted to sell newspapers. Not a Christian man. He thought, ah, this would be great. So he got on the little thing. And in a moment... He sent out two words from coast to coast, from Mexico, from Canada. And those history-making words were this, Puff Graham, Puff Graham. The word Puff is a newspaper term. It's a media term. And it means this. Blow this story up, even with exaggeration. Puff. 
this nearly no-named young evangelist had come across the desk of probably the most powerful human being in the world as far as making someone famous overnight. God will use anybody. Come on. God will use a Pharaoh. God will use the drunk down the street. God will use anybody to get his work done. And when Hearst sent out that message, Billy Graham shook the world for the next 70 years, and untold millions are in heaven today. Why am I telling you this? Jesus had an explosion where all of a sudden everybody knew him. And I found it. I traced it. And I figured it out. In reading the, the Gospels, a moment occurs. I'll share something interesting with you from Mark 5. Now, the, the last three quarters of Mark 5 are the beginning of the explosion. But here's what happens first. Jesus and the disciples get in a ship, and they go over into an area called the Gadarenes, where there are tombs. And they are met by one demoniac, a demonized man. The demoniac of Gadara is there living amongst the tombs. He is completely out of his mind. He is completely demon-possessed. They had tried to bind him with chains and with fetters. So both of those terms mean chains and shackles. One is a lighter weight that would hold most people. The other one is when they somehow are able to grind that and get it apart. You switch to the heavier one because they can't. So they bound him with chains and they bound him with fetters, but because of the supernatural strength within him, nothing could hold him. So they go over there and they find him, and oh, if I had time to preach this message... He's living in a dead place, come on, literally amongst the tombs, under demonic influence and in the chains of where he came from. I'll just let you fill in the blanks and preach your own message, okay? So Jesus goes up to him and a voice comes out and says, Jesus, thou son of God, what have we to do with thee? Are you come here to torment us? He says, what's your name? Legion. He had between, depending on your translation, between one to 10,000 demons living inside of him. So Jesus cast the demons out of him and cast them into a herd of pigs that were feeding on the hillside. Now, this human being had put up with these demons for a very long time. The pigs wouldn't put up with it for a day. They said, nope, that's it. And they jumped off the cliff and drowned themselves. Or how many times pigs have got more sense than Christians putting up with. Come on. Christians just put up with and put up with and put up with stuff that they know is demonic, but they like it too much. So Jesus cast them out, and now the man is free. Now he's free. 
And listen to what the man says when Jesus sets him free. Mark 5, 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, this seems perfectly logical. And honestly, to me, seems quite right. The man who Jesus had just set free, he says, thank you. I'll go with you. Let me go with you. I'm signing up for your traveling ministry team. I'll travel wherever. Look, please. He begged him. That word pray. He begged him. He pleaded with him. Please. I want to go with you and be part of what you and these men are doing. Doesn't that seem like a good request? Have you ever begged God to let you do something that you thought would be a good thing to do for him, but God did not open the door for you to do it for him? Guess what? God knows where you're the most effective, and you don't pick your job. So trust him. He prayed that he might be with him. How be it? Jesus suffered him not. Jesus did not permit him to go. But he said this. He said, go home. Go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and how I've had compassion on thee. Guess what he did? He did it. He departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. It is after this one crazy demon-possessed guy that everybody knew. That's why they took him over there and dropped him off. Everybody knew. Had he gone with Jesus, Jesus could have put him on every crusade platform to testify, but none of the people in the crowd would have known for sure. He said, no, you go home to the people that saw you last week and show yourself to them and just tell them Jesus did it. And when that man went to his people, not a preacher, not a theologian, not a learned person, not a minister, but a regular guy with a testimony went back to the people who knew what he looked like before, and they said, what in the world happened to you? He said, Jesus happened to me, and he published it, and it went crazy throughout the land, and all men did marvel, and it is right after this when people start seeking Jesus out. Could it be that much of our New Testament centers around the fact that this guy went home and told everybody. And through it, faith came alive and the rest of Jesus' ministry was set in place. The power of your testimony. He told everybody. He was like the newspaper that put all eyes on Jesus for Jesus to fulfill what he came to do. You might say this morning, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a Bible scholar.
but I am here to tell you that what you are is saved. You're a person with a testimony that you once were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. Go tell everybody. Singers, musicians, would you come? Would you put your hands together and give God, give God some praise for this word this morning? Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a responsibility. If we will do this, we'll turn the world upside down. You say, what if they won't listen? Most of them won't. But somebody will. And regardless of that, God is serious about giving everybody the opportunity, whether they will accept him or not, because nobody's going to leave and say God didn't give them the opportunity. He's going to make sure they get it. And their opportunity is you. You are their opportunity. You might be somebody's last chance because you don't know what's going to happen to them in a few hours. You don't know what's going to happen to them Tomorrow, we have an obligation to spread the gospel. Now, you might be here this morning, and perhaps you have never received Jesus as Savior. Nobody is getting into heaven without Jesus. No one, no one is going to escape death without the Lord Jesus Christ. You are either on the path to eternal life or the path to eternal death. But Jesus came that you would have life. He came to wash you and to cleanse you. He came to get rid of the old spirit inside of you. He's going to completely get rid of it. And he's going to give you a brand new spirit that is holy and pure and clean and that is one with him. If you do not have that, but you want that, you want to receive Jesus as Savior, you want to be clean, you want to be forgiven, you want your insides to be born again, that you belong to Jesus. If you don't have that, come right now and stand with me, and I will lead you in a prayer. I will, I'll help you with the words. I'll lead you in a prayer while you receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Would there be even one? Would there be even one? Anybody? You say, I've never been born again, but I want to be. All right? If you're watching at home and you want to receive Jesus, then right where you are, right where you are, pray this after me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. Jesus, I know you're the Son of God. 
I know you left heaven and came to earth for me. I know you died on the cross in my place. I know that three days later you rose again. I know you're alive. I say yes to you. Wash me of all of my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, will you please click the message button? Will you message me right now and tell me that you received Jesus today? I have a book that I want to send you for free. It has nothing to do with our church. There's no obligations. It's a free book to teach you about prayer and Bible reading and worship and such. It's going to tell you how to get started in your walk with the Lord. And it would be our great pleasure. We, we buy those for you to have them. And so we want you to take advantage of that. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.